Kreusser, welcome to Recovery Now Radio, which is brought to you in conjunction with Adveriad Recovery and Living Room Cardiff. Adveriad Recovery is a registered charity offering specialist support to those with co-occurring substance misuse and mental health conditions. Living Room Cardiff provides ongoing support and aftercare as a community-based recovery centre that has an all-addictions approach, including gambling, alcohol, drugs, both prescribed and illicit, sex, eating disorders, gaming, etc., or any other harmful behaviour. We welcome anyone who needs confidential support in taking those first important steps towards change and recovery. Family members and friends are also catered for. For further details, please see the Adveriad Recovery website, www.adveriad.org.uk and www.livingroom-cardiff.com. Diochen Thank you so much. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. Persecution, you must fear. Win and lose, you've got to get your share. Got your mind set on a dream. You can get it, no more it may seem Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and our very ad. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and Adveriad. My name is Joe, and our guest today is Michaelis. Welcome, Michaelis. How are you? Thank you, Joe. I'm fantastic. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm okay. Uh, my youngest left left home yesterday, but uh, just Thank me and the cat now. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm good. It's a, it's, I woke up on the on the sunny side of the bed, so to speak. Love that. Um, today we're going to talk to you about your um, substance misuse problems, if that's okay, and and some music, cool, really cool music that you've chosen. Um, but I'm going to jump first into your first song, which is uh, "Crystal Ship" by The Doors. Why did you choose this song? Well, my father actually didn't really believe in music he was one of those super strict i actually found out he was like an assassin and uh he was very like uh strict not emotional nothing always listen to talk radio super boring and uh the doors was actually the first band they'd ever introduced me to and i really enjoy crystal so this seemed like a perfect song to bring in this podcast with excellent Days are bright and filled with pain, and close me in your 
listen to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was the doors with crystal ship um jacob i've read your um not jacob the michaelis why did i, I say be, that I jacob for the moment cool. <laughs> you know I mean? um i've read your bio and um well first of all i have to tell the listeners that we're a similar age but you look a lot cooler than i do <laughs> on oh, it <laughs> i appreciate that i was gonna though but thank you I was just reading your bio and uh, you grew up in LA and um, your first thoughts that um, you describe here were the same as mine, to be honest with you. What the hell is this? <laughs> Get me off of this earth. Yes. Yeah. So uh, can you describe your childhood to me and like what made you um, come to think that way? I mean, first of all, uh, I'm a Mexican, Filipino, Chinese Jew. Uh, I was born in like the late 70s. I had, you know, huge ears, slanted eyes, giant lips, an afro. I mean, it was just not not a good look when all the Ken dolls were, you know, blonde hair and blue eyed. So that that was a start. Uh, the next thing was, you know, my name is Michaelis. Who's Michaelis? My middle name is Shlomo. I didn't even want to admit that to anybody. That's like literally the worst middle name I think a child can have. And, uh, you know, uh, all my friends in school, they had names like Michael, you know, so it was just, I did not feel comfortable in my own skin at all. I definitely did not get along with any of my peers. That was challenging for me. And uh, yeah, I just didn't understand social dynamic. Like, I didn't understand why that kid's shoes were cool or, you know, what was great about that shirt or why that kid was popular. I mean, I, I mean, I just didn't understand how any of this worked. And I was very sensitive and just, you know, I changed schools every couple of years. I was sensitive because Gracie Scharnberger wouldn't hold my hand in the big tractor tire in the playground. I would like come crying home to my mother and, you know, she'd say, build a wall, build a shelf. Like they don't see that they're making fun of you is hurting your feelings. They'll stop, you know, and the, my initial sort of 
like coping mechanism was just a lie. You know, I wore a mask basically. Um, and that only lasts so long. And eventually, you know, uh, it got to the place where I just wanted to die. I was like a fifth grader commit, like contemplating suicide and, and I found alcohol instead. Thank goodness. So <laughs> it, alcohol wasn't about like, you know, social bonfires in the backyard for me. Cause there weren't like fifth graders having keg parties. It was really just about like shutting off the voices in my head that told me that I was worthless, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I completely resonate with that. I remember making things up as well. So I sounded more interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, Oh, bless you. Um, let's move on to your next song, which is I'm the one by Danzig. Why did you choose that one? Uh, I went through a fantastic like satanic period where I just, you know, was rebelling against the family. And I just loved like the sort of mix between Satan and sexuality that Danzig exhibited. And this was like the song that I just resonated with at that time. Let's so, have a listen. Thanks. I was born in the dirt I never had no home In the places I've lived You don't want to know Well, if you want to hear evil Just come a little bit close I was a snake-eyed boy at the age of five I made love to the howl of the wolves With the dark-haired girl So if you wanna hear evil I'll come a little bit close She whispered in my ear Little boy, you the one Set the world to rights Or make it tremble in fear I Do it one more time Cause you're the one, you're the one You're the one, you're the one You're the one, you're the one Yeah, you're the one Little boy, you The path you walk Gonna be hard once you tread Cause the night is your only love Lots of girls gonna be hurt Said it's part of your faith Cause you're the one, you're the one And now I know my place in this life I ride And I know the things I feel Are burning deep inside So if you want to meet evil I'm the one, I'm the one
you're listening to Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together. And that was I'm the One by Danzig. Um, Michaelis, I got your name right that time. <laughs> I'm impressed. You can call me Jacob, but I'm down with Jacob. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you had said thank God that you found alcohol at a young age. And I feel the same, actually, because uh, for a long time it saved me. You know, can you explain to me? what that was like like how old you were what happened when you found it and some of your experiences yeah so basically I mean in the very beginning it was definitely like an isolatory exercise like I would come home from school I was nine um and I would sneak into my parents liquor cabinet and eat the brandy out of the like the brandy cherries out of the brandy cherry jar and then it was like well these brandy cherries aren't really doing the trick let's just drink the brandy out of the brandy cherry jar and then it was, you know, just sneaking in the liquor cabinet and refilling bottles with water, doing all that stuff. And it was just like I said, literally to shut the voices off in my head that were telling me that I was hopeless. And then, you know, as I got a little bit older and other kids were experimenting because I went to schools with, you know, I went to private schools. And so they uh, had like extended grades. So I was around much older kids and um you know, of course I found weed. That was like the next fantastic thing. And, um, you know, I just started getting into bands with people and smoking weed. And I finally found my family. I finally found, like felt a part of something for the first time in my life. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was a beautiful thing. I loved it. How old were you at that time? Uh, I think I was the summer before ninth grade. So I was probably 13 Wow, that's quite young. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't playing around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. So what did alcohol do for you? Let, let's move closer to your 20s, but like maybe late teens. What did alcohol do for you at that point? I mean, I actually, you know, I didn't love alcohol as much. So I, I started, you know, really enjoying weed for a while. And then Basically, it was my senior year of high school when I come back. I went to school abroad in Israel. And I mean, up until that point in my life, I definitely was not like a popular kid. I think uh, people were intimidated by me because I was kind of like a fighting sort of kid, a scrappy kid. And, um, you know, I just sort of moved between circles of friends. But when I came back my senior year of high school, it's like everybody else in school caught up, like all the goody two shoe kids were using drugs, you know? And so I kind of fit right in finally. And um, so it was a much different experience. I felt finally really socially accepted, which of course my grades like completely slid because, you know, I was finally in my mind popular, which is what I always wanted, you know, like my whole life, I just wanted people to like me. And that's, that's what it was like. It was great. Absolutely. I mean, everybody wants to be loved and and I remember that feeling since day dot just somebody please love me you know yeah yeah Yeah. it was like mixed with so much insecurity too because it was so new for me so yeah it was messy let's move on to your third song then which is Junkhead by Alice in Chains tell me about this one uh Lollapalooza 1995 I remember Alice in Chains came on and like it was the last band of the night and the entire festival just rushed the stage. And this song is just perfect because it's just like, what's my drug of choice? Well, what have you got? I love that line. <laughs>
you're listening to Recovery Now Radio, let's recover together. And that was Junkhead by Alison Chains. You know, I, I was struck when I was listening to that song, I was struck by the thought that, wow, I can still listen to moody music and, and really get into it and enjoy it without using. How awesome is that? That's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. Totally. You, um, you say in your bio that you lost control of your drinking and using by the time you were 22 years old and that um, you had been jailed three times and were, were potentially looking at spending the rest of your life in prison. Can you tell me a little bit about how that materialized? Yeah, so I went to college in Arizona. Um, I failed out my first semester because I just basically majored in drug dealing and playing hacky sack. And um, at the end of my first year in college, my best friend's girlfriend got sexually assaulted at a party. And me and my best friend uh, got together and waited outside of this guy's house for about four days and then did a bunch of meth and decided that we couldn't wait any longer because sitting in a car for four days on meth doesn't really work too well. And uh, we wound up putting this guy in the hospital and I went to jail for aggravated assault and residential burglary. Then I moved to Venice Beach, California, which is not conducive to being sober if you don't want to be sober. And, um, you know, got involved in the club scene, got arrested again for possession for sales of narcotics. And then shortly after that, I figured, well, you know what? Um, selling drugs is the problem. It's not the using drugs is the problem. That was a fantastic lie my brain told me. And um, I basically also decided that I didn't want to pay for drugs. So I started hanging out with the Chinese triad mafia who were manufacturing ice. And I got busted for manufacturing methamphetamine. And because you have a violent felony in the beginning, Every felony after that is a strike, and that would lead me to 25 years to life. So, wow. yeah, that was the deal. And um, you mentioned that, um, a, a, I don't know if he's a friend of yours, but a guy was able to speak to the judge and um, do a deal for you. Can, you. can you talk me through that? Yeah, it's kind of like Seber Graves for Ebby Thatcher. I mean, it was uh, this guy, Bob <laughs> Timmons, was this um guy who is like one of the original sober companions I mean, he's toured with all different bands all over the world and toured with different actors on set and he was also liaison between treatment centers and the court system and he had a direct relationship with my particular judge he came and visited me in jail and asked me if i thought i was an addict or not and i remember my family was just like you know just tell him that you're an addict so he can get you off and so he came and visited me and I admitted that. And then I got transferred into treatment in jail where I was introduced to the 12 steps with a court commitment to follow um, for a year. Mm. So at a sober living. And so that was my introduction to the 12 step process. And I haven't looked back ever since. So, wow. It's a lot like the Abby Thatcher story, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Except for Abby was a chronic relapser, but yeah, aside from that, it was pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how funny. Yeah. So your next song is Free by Ultranate. What inspires you about this song? Well, um, this also has a long intro, so it's great. But uh, basically, I was into rock music and then electronic music came and house music came shortly after drum and bass for me. But uh, this song, I remember going to clubs for my first time, really high on ecstasy. And like having a group of friends that, you know, we absolutely loved each other. We traveled from club to club to club every single night. We were all selling drugs together. 
and this song was like the epitome of joy it's just like one of those you know when you're free to do what you want to do like yeah. we all just felt like amazing you know queens <laughs> just yeah. like waving our hands in the air it does your yeah. mama know with little louis vegas spinning it was epic it's back when like music created a family you know it hasn't been like that since i don't think but this was in the late mid late 90s it was amazing so yeah
you're listening to Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together. And that was free by Ultranate. Oh my God. We're all dancing in the, in well, Greg so in the studio and, and me and you as well. And, I forgot um, like how uplifting those lyrics are. They're so good, right? Yeah, yeah. And it took me right back. We must have been doing the same stuff know, at that right? point. <laughs> so yeah. Good. Yeah, amazing. Um, but before that song, let me bring myself back down to earth now. Um, we were talking about um, you entering a 12-step program. Um, how did that go for you? I mean, honestly, it was really uncomfortable weird in the beginning i walked into this dorm in jail i just come from the gang module which was like a six-man cell and all of a sudden i'm in this dorm with like 60 dudes and this guy like walks up to me with like these two braids this like latin man and he's got like tattoos all over his face and all over his neck and he's like hey holmes it's an inside job not an outside job and then he hugged me and i was like what what am I doing here? And then what made it even worse was like every night and every morning, everyone got on their knees in this dorm, 60 dudes and prayed. Yeah. And I was like, I'm in some weird cult. Like yeah. what is going on here? Cause I didn't like believe in any of this stuff. So I was like, okay. So it was, uh, it was a little bit uncomfortable, but then, you know, when we started having the groups and the people were talking about like their feelings and their thinking, I mean, I've been diagnosed with depression. I've been diagnosed with ADHD. And I thought like, those were always my problems and the medications never like made me feel any better. And here I am. And I basically am relating to all these guys who look totally different, all different ages. I'm like a youngster. And these are all, you know, old like gangsters who are shooting heroin in their neck or smoking sherm. And, uh, you know, I just realized, wow, this is, I'm just an addict. That was my problem. And so there was such like a, like an exhale of relief of finally feeling like, okay, cool. I know what the problem is. Now here's a solution. It's just these steps, you know? And so it was actually a really awesome feeling after that, you know? Mm -hmm. You say that um, you graduated sober living and um, have worked in recovery um, on and off for the duration of your, well, I guess up until now of your sobriety. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, the sober living that I went through was a really structured sober living. Um, it's big, basically referred to as a recovering home. You know, they've got consequences. Um, I mean, and truthfully, if we're going to be really honest, it was like attack therapy. It was, uh, you know, just a lot of different behavior modification programs. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, and then I wound up working there as a manager for a while. And I learned a lot, actually. I mean, I learned really how to develop um, an insight for the people around me. I learned very simple stuff, too. Like, I learned how to make my bed. I learned how to clean a sink. I learned how to wash dishes and clean a toilet. I mean, I, I was, you know, homeless or living on people's couches, and I had no responsibilities before that, or I was in jail. So, I mean, it really taught me how to suit up and show up and be an adult, you know, for the most part. But uh yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I really found um, a calling for, you know, doing groups, you know, groups, groups therapy, and also one-on-one sessions. And it was just like a natural talent for me to be able to work with people. And so I really enjoyed it. It was awesome. Excellent. And you mentioned that um, you've been a DJ and have played all over the world. That sounds really interesting. 
Yeah. It's, Tell me about it. That's really funny. So, I mean, I, we all used to go to clubs together, this family, right. And we used to go to this guy's house, Soren, he lived in downtown Los Angeles and he had turntables at his house and he used to DJ for us, but he train wrecked every single song. And it was so cute. Cause his like, butt would be like moving to the beat that was off compared to the beat that was like coming. And I just thought to myself, well, if he's doing this and it sounds this bad, like I might as well just ask him to see if I could try it. And so like, that's how I started. And then I was homeless for a while and I lived with my friend Joe's garage while he would go out in the day and like sell drugs. I would just, you know, smoke meth off light bulbs and take Vicodin and then mix records. And I did that for eight well, that months. That was before, straight. was it? That was before. Yeah, yeah before. totally. So yeah. I started okay. DJing before I got sober, actually, yeah. when I was like 19 years old. And, um, and then I went to Israel. I DJed there. I lied said I was a big DJ from Los Angeles. I totally train wrecked in this club. It was the worst thing ever. <laughs> but then I wound up learning how to DJ at this like small bar on these rotary turntables. Like it wasn't even like a normal pitch fader. It was crazy. And um, then I came back to America. I put DJing aside for about a year and a half when I got sober um, just because I didn't want to, I couldn't be involved in that scene and I was working in yeah. recovery. And then my uncle got me a set of turntables and I just started kind of making it a hobby. And then um, my buddy booked me for the exotic erotic ball that he brought from San Francisco to Los Angeles. And that was my first paid job in sobriety. Uh, and basically from there it took off from, you know, playing the biggest clubs in Los Angeles, doing the whole bottle service club scene, uh, touring all over the world, playing in Russia, events in Europe, um, and then eventually becoming the official DJ for NASCAR and then playing all over Indonesia. I mean, I've just done all kinds of cool stuff and producing music um, as well. So, wow, what a life your sobriety has given you. Oh, it's you can't even imagine. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's play your next song, which is Can't Deal With This by Cool Breeze. Tell me about this one. So I was working at this uh, like vegetarian health restaurant in Brentwood called a Sante. And basically, um, oh, this is funny. This is like the original. Ah, okay, cool. And this guy, um, Glenn, who was like the pizza delivery guy, he was this flaming, amazing queen. He uh, worked for this label called Quango Sport with Jason Bentley. And he introduced me to the song and it was, it was awesome.
listen to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was can't deal with this by cool breeze um i'm just reading through um, the bio you sent us now um you said that um you've messed a lot of things up during sobriety um can you tell me what that means i mean if basically i've done everything that i did when i was high sober Right. You know, so I mean, if we're going to talk about the extent of my experience um, sober, I mean, basically, I've been married, I've been divorced, I've had custody of a kid, I've lost custody of a kid, I've had parents die, I've had sponsees die, I've been on private jets, I've been homeless, I've had jobs, I've lost jobs, I've, you know, lied, I've cheated, I've stolen, I've literally done everything wrong sober, you know, mm. so, so yes. So you, you've managed to stay sober during some like turbulent times then? Uh, yeah, it's a miracle, actually. Um, and it's by no credit to me whatsoever. So but I definitely like had times where I never wanted to use, but I definitely wanted to kill myself. So like five mm. and a half years sober, I tried to kill myself and I checked myself into or I got checked into, you know, a county hospital and a hold and then at six and a half years sober, I tried to kill myself again. And I actually checked myself back into the sober living that I graduated from in 2000, you know? Mm. So yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. You also say you've done the 12 steps in, uh, in a few different programs. Yes. Um, what have you learned from going through the 12 step program? Do you think? Um, what do you mean exactly? <laughs> um, what did it teach you? I mean, I know, like, I'm a completely different person after going through the 12 steps. Oh, okay. Um, so basically, going through the 12 steps taught me my purpose on this earth. It taught me that my purpose is a divine purpose and it's to the blessing. It taught me that all these other little human roles that I play in this earth are really meaningless and that my relationship with God is number one. And mm-hmm. uh, I practice that through. Well, the practice came from taking as many people through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous as I possibly can. Um, and by setting aside hours of my day to practice thinking of someone else and how I can help them, it slowly but surely over time transformed me from, you know, being a really selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, self-centered fear, self-pity person to someone who's really just living in the present moment, trying to think about how he can be the light in every moment that's in front of him. Yeah, excellent. Well, after this next song, I want to, you, you mentioned something about um, going through the book in a specific way. So after this next song, I'll ask you about that, if that's okay. So I'll give you a few yeah, minutes to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, your next song is Sofa Rockers by Sofa Surfers. How, why did you choose this one? When I was working in the sober living, uh, I was basically surrounded by chaos all the time. And this song is like the epitome of chill. And I used to just walk into the office and play it every morning because it just set the whole mood of like, okay, cool, we're going to be all right. Yeah. 
listening to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was sofa rockers by the sofa surface um michaelis um you mentioned um before i get into the way that you were taken through the book um you mentioned um a a concept of a higher power um of your understanding or, or god as as you termed it um would you say that having a relationship with a higher power um, and giving to others was your saving grace then in terms of turning your life around during sobriety and making it so that you wanted to be here as opposed to not wanting to be here like when you were five years sober? Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I didn't really understand what my purpose was here. And um, in working the steps so many different ways before I actually started going through the book in this process, it wasn't really explained to me. I mean, I thought sobriety was about, you know, getting, getting things, you know, getting job, getting money, having the car, having the relationship, all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and of course, when my emotional stability is tethered to that stuff and the reality of life is that that stuff does come and go, or isn't always great, mm-hmm. then it really, you know, 
would send me on a roller coaster ride emotionally. So having a relationship with God is like the stable foundation of um, my life is everything. And believing in a God that wants the best for me, takes care of me and loves me no matter what was essential. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm guessing as was helping others to go through the same journey. Well, I believe that's how I connect to God, right? Because yeah. really like when they describe God's will um, in the big book, they describe it as how can I best serve thee and thee being capitalized, meaning God. And then if you tie that into we agnostics where, you know, we either accept that God is everything or God is nothing. Then how can I best serve thee is how can I best serve everything that presents itself to me in each moment? And that's how I developed that relationship. That's how I perfect and enlarge my spiritual life. And that's how I gain access to the power of God, not just developing a relationship because I need that power in order to live, in order to have that spiritual experience, which is just a God-powered personality change, right? Wow, yeah. And uh, you mentioned that uh, you went through the book in a, in a specific way. So I'm yes. guessing that was different to how you did it in your early years. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I did many different ways in my early years. First of all, I mean, most um, sponsors work out of the 12 and 12 because I think that's what's been passed on for a while because it seems easy and it's successive. And you think like, okay, you finish with step one, go to step two. And it's very like laid out in that um, sort of school-like fashion. Uh, and then that didn't really do much for me. And uh, then I did like the big book awakenings. I tried all these different methods, even like Hazleton crazy inventories. And and one of the things that I always did was, you know, if I was feeling uneasy inside, my go-to is, oh, I got to do another inventory, you know, something must be wrong. But I found myself literally repeating the same resentments and the same problems and same fears all the time and nothing was really changing. So this guy um, basically took me through the big book in a method that's unnamed, that's basically been passed down by the first hundred people that got sober. And that 100% changed my life because for the first time in my life, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous was really explained to me, you know, and I understood why it worked, how it worked and what aspect of my disease was being treated by what aspect of the program, which I had never known before. Wow. That's powerful stuff, isn't it? I I hope I've gone through it. I hope I've gone through it the right way. (laughs) (laughs) I have gone, I have gone through the book as opposed to the 12 and 12. So fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely. That's really important for sure. Your next song is Jaja by Aya Nakamura. Can you tell me about this one? I've not heard this one. I know it's, it's an Afrobeat song that I was introduced to by living in Bali. And it's just like happy. And it's just a song that you kind of like, have to make fun of and and just like shake your shoulders too so anyway enjoy it okay
jouer le grand frère pour me salir Tu cherches des problèmes sans faire exprès Putain mais tu déconnes C'est pas comme ça qu'on fait les choses to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was jaja by aya nakamura i really liked that it was really quite chilled <laughs> yeah right? it's nice yeah it's like the island breeze kind of trip yeah yeah um oh what was i gonna say my mind's gone completely blank all oh, right <laughs> yeah um so what is life like for you now like um obviously you've just you've talked to us about your sobriety years and what happened prior to that and um, what is life like for you now um, I literally feel now that I am the master of my own experience. I'm completely tapped into the power of choice. I get to choose how I perceive this world, which means I get to choose how I feel about this world, which I get to choose how I experience this world. So, I mean, it's going to sound corny, but I literally feel like Neo when he figures out the matrix, you know, mm. I just, I'm literally just walking from blessing to blessing to blessing and just receiving all the time. And I'm just living in this sort of fearlessness of being able to do whatever I want on this earth and loving it, you know? What a turnaround that is from how you entered, the feelings you had when you entered this earth, eh? It's 100% crazy to me. It's mind blowing yeah. actually, yeah. And just when yeah. I thought like I couldn't level up, I've leveled up more, you know, I thought I had it figured out five years ago. I was like, yeah, I'm the light of God. You know, this is my purpose on this earth, practicing that feeling great. And then I didn't think it could get any better. And it just has. Wow. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that <laughs> Yeah, it's for myself. Yeah. Um, it's been really useful actually talking to you today as somebody in recovery myself. I, I like it's been, I thank you. It's been really, really useful. Um, you, before we finish, though, you um, I read that you have retired from DJing, but you've written a book for non-addicts and non-alcoholics based on the big book process. And you say something really beautiful. You say, I hope to expand my ability to help all people with the human condition and spiritual malady. And that's your purpose. I really like that. Can you tell me about this book? 
Uh, yeah. So basically, I mean, I realized that, you know, the spiritual malady just is the human condition because I really get to experience that when I'm sober. I've been sober, you know, 22 years. So I've had plenty of human condition issues. And then especially I think when COVID was hitting and seeing all my friends who are not alcoholics, not addicts, really suffering, you know, a good friend of mine who was a DJ in Bali, a really young kid, really talented kid, not a drug addict, not an alcoholic. And he threw himself off a bridge, you know, and he literally had his life ahead of him. He was just opening for Anderson Pack, like became Anderson's Pack DJ while he was in Bali. I mean, this kid is awesome. And I just, you know, started to see like so much pain and suffering uh, for the non-ag, non-alcoholic. And I thought, what is my, what do I want to do in this lifetime? You know, what is my legacy on this earth? And so I'm so familiar because I've been practicing this process in the big book for the last 12 years. I, I just basically decided to write a big book for non-alcoholics and non-addicts. So it's not like Russell Brand's like step process. It's mm. more of an actual an experience. And part of the beauty of the process is that the way it's read is like the big book, right? So the mm -hmm. big book is a textbook. It needs to be taught. It needs to be studied. And part of uh, the practice is teaching it to another human being, practicing selflessness and being the blessing through that process. And so my book is basically the same thing, you know, in that way. What a great idea because, uh, yeah, I, I definitely learned how selfish I was uh, and I didn't have a clue that I was that selfish or self-obsessed. But yeah, um, I, I guess it affects a lot of people in or out of addiction. So what a fantastic idea that is. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited to change the world, actually. So Excellent stuff. Yeah. Well, before we introduce your final song um i want to thank you so much for coming and talking to us um it, it's been a roller coaster I, I really enjoyed your music and um, i learned a lot from chatting to you and uh, you're a really cool dude and uh, Aww, thank you you're the awesome the listeners can't see you unfortunately but a bit of eye candy too i don't mind saying that <laughs> <Okay. laughs> and i'm my instagram i'm this 40 <laughs> Forty plus year old crazy single cat lady, but <laughs> that's what I've turned into. But yeah, it's been really good um, talking to you, and I want to thank all the listeners um, and obviously the people at Recovery Now Radio, people at the living room and Adveriad, because without them we wouldn't be able to do this. And uh, your final song is "Black Magic Woman" by Santana, and I seem to remember you saying that. Um, this is the song you were conceived to. So do you want to tell me a little bit more about this? I mean, my parents had sex, basically. <laughs> no, it was, yeah. my dad's, it was my dad's favorite band. He's Mexican, uh, Filipino. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is the beginning. So I figured it would be a great song to close on. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It was amazing. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for coming.
Yeah. Mm-hmm. 